I think it was new. Oh, okay. We had a bottle of that like three weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> we were drinking that all through. Sorry, Kentucky. we had Shut three bottles up, of that three weeks ago. Shut up, both of you. I'm furious. Because <laughs> we wanted to compare it with the old Dusty that we had. But it was <laughs> bonded, but all it right, was all right, all right. Fine. I get it, I get it, I get it. So you're right. It's really good, though. It's nice. <laughs> you're the worst. Whiskey, whiskey. The singer's getting sore. We raised the roof. Now we're lowering the floor. The band is blistered, but we got a little more. Welcome to the Whiskey Topic, the weekly podcast that tends to get off topic. My name is Mark Bylock. I'm the author of the Whiskey Cabinet, and my co-host is Jamie Johnson, who runs a private but approachable bourbon club here in Toronto, Canada. You can also find our podcast on the website whiskey.buzz. Welcome to episode 59 of the Whiskey Topic. I am here with Jamie, as always. Yay! And we have a special guest, Glenn, for Jameson is back. Yay! Hello. And our main topic is going to be the Spirit of Toronto event. Uh, we did, uh, it's a big event here in Toronto, and there's going to be, uh, we had a lot of interesting whiskey and some thoughts about uh, the whiskey we tasted and, um, and things of that sort. Uh, but first, um, we wanted to honor Drink BC. Um, if you listened last week, you'd know that we were encouraging people to rate the podcast because, you know, ratings on iTunes are very important for us. They help us out. And um, for every rating we get, we're going to do a shot. Yes. Um, so we that did a shot last week. Commitment. Uh, and thanks to uh, the Whiskey Pilot that rated our show five stars. Thank you so much. Thank and you. This week, it's going to be Drink BC. Drink BC. Um, who is another Del Winnie fan, as he describes in the iTunes rating. And he says that he thoroughly enjoys the podcast. And uh, thanks for getting him hooked on Rare Breed. You're welcome. So there you go. Um, so in honor of that, uh, Glenford, you're joining us for this as well, I assume. Sure. All right. Oh, we have a shot of, um, this is actually great, uh, Toronto Stiller Co. Uh, uh, rye, 100% organic Ontario rye, uh, grain spirit. So this is unaged. Unaged white rye. Dog. White dog. It's perfect for a Monday make. afternoon. Cheers. Thank Cheers. You, Drink BC. Thanks, Drink BC. Mm. So what was the uh, thought with, with choosing the Toronto Distilling Company? It's just like a, we don't have any NHL playoffs going on, so we're just going to... Like, flaunt some some Toronto in BC's face. <laughs> That's a great point. I, you know, yeah. I, you would think I have any sort of reasoning when I pick up things, but I usually just go um, last minute, take something out of the cabinet, and yeah. this was the choice. Yeah, but that is pretty funny. It's a good point. It's actually, like I like this this new make rye. It's a I wonderful like shot of I, this is actually this is the reverse of what we want. We wanted something terrible. Yeah, this is really nice. Well, because you always think like unaged whiskey, but like these guys do a pretty good job, like of making it like easy to drink um yeah i'm that wasn't too that was that was fine i would i i honestly would do that again that wasn't painful at all last so, week was painful that was not a good tequila that i chose well, well you asked me to take it easy on you this week i yes. do have some vodka for for next week oh good <laughs> i can't wait yes this was the day i was supposed to take off drinking this week but i guess that just flew out the window ah, it's 24 hours <laughs> just take it off until tomorrow at you know three o'clock just, just okay. do that exactly <laughs> All right, guys. This is this is great. This is how we justify things. Yeah, we get we uh, yeah we're very uh, very supportive here. Um, we wanted to do some follow up. So uh, Jim Rutledge uh, from uh, last week, we talked about how he uh, started the Indiegogo crowdfunding, mm-hmm. uh, raised about ten thousand uh, dollars as of last week, and he actually that that was taken down. He uh, he it's, took it back. Wow, fascinating. Do I have any hot takes on this? Yeah, yes. I want to know the your hot take, Lumford. I don't know. I really enjoy Four Roses, and so Rutledge's legacy is a is a big deal. I'm trying to figure out how that whole relationship broke down. This idea of like Rutledge being master distiller and then being maybe fired, but not mm. necessarily. We don't really know. There's a lot of conjecture out there. Yeah. Well, well, uh, Jim Rutledge says he wasn't fired. That he was just an agreement that came. Well, I guess that's what you always say. Is what you're saying. That is, if you were fired or not, you would say the same thing. Yeah. I don't know. Or you run with it and say, man. Like, <laughs> frankly, I don't blame them. <laughs> um, no, I mean, this, this makes sense. This is, uh, like, he took a lot of heat on the internet for, uh, for the Indiegogo campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that we're in this era of cynicism when it comes to crowdfunding anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and the, the prizes that you were buying were not that great. So, so stepping away from it makes a lot of sense, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I, again, we can't speculate as to why him and Four Roses departed, but uh, we even heard this on uh, when we were at the Spirit of Toronto event. I mean, 
uh, was at a tasting and, you know, just reaffirms that Four Roses is a really crappy brand going back 20, you know, years plus. They, they sold mostly to, like, the Asian market. Mm-hmm. Um, they just had a very basic product, and Jim Rutledge was the guy that came in and really started working with them on making really great products. So mm-hmm. a big part of their, well, big, the key part of their success, um, I'm sure the company also decided to make better whiskey, so I'm, mm-hmm. you know, and went with a direction that allowed them to do it. Um, but, um, you know, it makes sense how much, you know, how much did he, how much money did he make on that versus having his own distillery? So, but yeah, you're right. There were a lot of the internet. There was definitely, um, a lot of, as we were recording the podcast, it started to, the feedback started to turn, turn negative Uh, with people, uh, being like, look, if you're raising money, then raise money with investors like everybody else does. Right. Uh, Well, and like we were, we're at the precipice of having this crowdfunding legislation, uh, going in both Canada and the U.S. And so, like, like, it seems like, if not now in the U.S., like, I think they're waiting on some regulatory amendments there for it to get going. I don't track it that closely. But it seems like you're at the precipice of actually giving investors uh, or the folks who would otherwise buy novelty items to be part of something, mm-hmm. like actual equity, which is super fun and exciting mm-hmm. and interesting. And, like, I would love to have an actual voting share and the right to go to a shareholders meeting uh, in Lawrenceburg. Right. That would be really neat. For sure. And you, would, you would go to every single you one. You would. I, look, I'm the guy that was excited about getting a speeding ticket in Nelson County because <laughs> I thought I might have to make a court appearance. And that meant that I would have to go back down. So, yeah, absolutely. I would be there with bells on. It would be super fun. Another four miles per hour faster, you would have gotten the court appearance. It's close. It's close. <laughs> so You're close. almost there. They'll get me next time. No, I, they will definitely get you next time. You do not slow down. <laughs> I mean, inadvertently, um, you know. Go over the speed limit. By accident. Don't speed. Speed kills. Yes, speed kills. Um, I mean, Kentucky is really wonderful to drive around. So, yeah, so there you go. So I just thought we'd, uh, we'd return to the topics from last Because that, that's interesting. It's interesting it's how that turned, turned around within, yep. like, three days. Everything turned around from, like, yay, this is great. Yeah. And I think you see this a lot on the internet. Because originally the Four Roses and the Jim Rutledge fans were like, yay, this is great. That was kind of the initial response. And right. then, the like you said, the negativity uh, the, that, that came through. And that was yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. but that like uh, micro shareholder legislation is like so fun. I mean, you know how excited I don't know if you guys know any Green Bay Packers shareholders. Yeah, that they no. get license plates. And really, they let you know every conversation. It's huh. like scribbled into every business card. Also a, it's like director of finance and also a Packers shareholder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I would probably do that on my on my Jim Rutledge Distillery. Yeah, yeah, part uh, owner. I would get cards printed or something. Yeah. Super fun. Anyway. Yeah, there we go. Opportunity missed. Opportunity missed. That's all right. Fascinating. So we want to talk about Spirit of Toronto. Yeah. Um, It's a big event here in uh, Toronto. We um, it's kind of like many other whiskey events uh, where they have master classes, and they'll have master classes throughout the tasting. It is only a one day event. Um, However, the entire city of Toronto just gets involved by brand ambassadors and and and, and everything else. So you know, there's whiskey events every day. It Mm -hmm. seems. Uh, for you know a couple of days last week, a couple of days this week, um, but essentially I uh, wanted to go through. Uh, do we want to start with the dusty tasting? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean the the show as a whole is interesting, right? Uh, for me, I don't go to a whole lot of whiskey shows, right, and this is the point. second time that I've been to this one. Uh, and I took like a couple big takeaways. One, last year when I went, uh, it felt like there was this old breed of dinosaur wearing mm-hmm. like a. A thirty-year-old suit jacket with no slits in the back and and like a mighty hunch, was like patrolling the whole thing. So like skewed super white, super male, uh, and and like elderly. Uh, and and this year it's it really seemed more balanced. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying it was balanced, but like if you were to sort of take Toronto's demographics as a whole, last year I think it was two standard deviations away from the mean in terms of like ethnicity and gender and age. And this year is only one standard deviation away from the mean, which is really neat and should be exciting for for anyone who enjoys whiskey because the more people we can bring in under this tent, the better the products are going to be mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the better your content is going to be and the more fun it's going to be for everyone. So I thought that was really neat. Kind of fun thing is that it's a woman that actually throws this event, yeah, that yeah. runs the event. She's awesome. Um, and I got to work a little bit for Beam at their pre-party. Um, making some mint juleps for Derby Day, um, which was super fun. But 
yeah just a really well executed like show like i love spirit of toronto people travel for it it's mm-hmm. like it's one of the top whiskey shows like victoria and new brunswick and then spirit always does really really well just because it's just they've always got neat stuff and you yeah. guys are going to tell a little bit about the dusty tasting that you guys did because it was kind of cool yeah to hear about yeah so every year um at, every year agnes uh mcgrilled he's from scotland so i don't know how to say his name in scotch but um um, he is essentially um, a consultant that works a lot with uh, with bidding and uh, in in the UK. And so he had a lot of really interesting things to say. Um, so what he basically does is he finds old uh, bottles of scotch, typically, uh, and sells them on uh, and auctions them off. And he was saying the biggest thing right now is you can do this in the UK; it's perfectly legal. But selling things aftermarket in the US is technically not legal. You technically, they do some auctions in very kind of you know specific ways, but. He couldn't go to the you know to the U.S. and buy a bunch of bottles that are dusties and then try to auction them off. Um, so he feels the U.S. is really kind of ripe in, in just the amount of older whiskey that we have because there's not as much value to it. Um, and so he um, he poured us three very uh, very old bottles, um, two of which weren't uh, were distilled in 1917 and the other one was distilled in 1947. Um, but the, the whole concept was he, he found these in the UK and they were worth, he goes somewhere between 800 to 1200 pounds, depending on, you know, how much they, they have, you know, how much oxidation there is, how much, uh, the alcohol has evaporated, that kind of stuff. Um, really, really interesting tasting. Um, so these were three very old whiskeys. I hated all three of them. Uh, Glenn, you, you got to test them as well. <laughs> yeah, I did. So there was an old charter that was distilled in 1917, bottled in maybe 24, there was something called Susquehanna Medicinal Rye. <laughs> this is why I passed it to you because I could not say that name. You can't hear. Know your Pennsylvania rivers. Not something everyone learns. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, which was which was fascinating. And then a Sitzel Weller from '47 that was bottled in like maybe '52 or '54. Yeah, it's a four-year-old. Yeah, it was '51. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, the other two were 20 plus year old. The first two, 1917, and then the the, the 1947 was a four year old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't. Like, I wrote my tasting notes down on a um, piece of paper that I didn't actually take with me, which was a little foolish. <laughs> um, but I remember the old charter was was nice and sort of had this like the pancake flavor that yeah. we've talked about before, yeah. like like grains and a little bit of sweetness, but like in a sort of like fermented batter sort of way, which yeah. is kind of cool. Uh, and then the medicinal rye had all kinds of additives, so it didn't make any sense uh, from any context that I could give it. Like, it, it was closer to an Amaro than it was, mm-hmm. like, a whiskey. Uh, but it was pretty gross, frankly. I mean... It, it was... Co- the, the rye was, like, cough syrup. It had the... I put, like, bitters, medicinal, like... Uh, the nose was that you did get a, you did get kind of a bit of a nice rye nose, so you got kind of that hint of it, but it was like clouded up with all these like heavy sort of medicinal bitter tea. It was almost like I, I, one person actually mentioned a type of tea, which was which was good tasting, no doubt. But it was like basically like a type of black tea. It was just very much that, and even oh, on the palate, it was very seemed very similar. Um, uh, but it was a rye, and it did kind of. It tastes when it was first poured. It was definitely like more medicinal, and then it kind of the, the rhino started to come through a little bit more as it as it uh, hung in the glass for a little bit. And that was the same truth with the bourbon with the uh, yeah. old charter. And with the medicinal rye, I assume it's it's a uh, it's a prohibition story, right? So, yeah. So that stuff was bottled mid like early mid prohibition before you could just get prescriptions for straight whiskey, and I think they were still trying to shrouded in like semi-compliance you're like well <laughs> you're not going to drink you're not going to drink a fifth of this <laughs> it's gross so so that's legit um but yeah no very strange and then the stitzel weller which uh i mean by name alone is really exciting mm-hmm. i i don't know what happened to it because it tasted like elderly person's basement like it was like mothballs and mildewy yeah. and gross and I don't know. There was uh, not a whole lot nice going on there. Yeah, that was the uh, the. I mean, the old, old Fitzgerald from uh, Stitzel Weller is it's really famous around Dusty Hunters. That's like that's what yeah. you want to get from the '40s. Uh, so this was this was it. This was like a very premium bottle. 
Um, but even uh, Ingus that was leading the tasting was like, well, he's like, this tastes really off. And he theorized that uh, maybe some glue from the top got into the bottom of the cork, mm-hmm. which, you know, he does this enough. So he's like, we've seen this before where just right. a little bit of glue gets in there. And uh, as Mike DeCaro put it, you are basically drinking like a poison. Well, a dead horse <laughs> yeah. you know, that's been decomposing <laughs> and made into a glue. Um, but yeah, that was, Old Fitzgerald was, uh, was, they were all bad, really. I, I don't think, I mean, but to be fair though, there were people in the tasting room that really liked some of these older whiskeys and they, okay. they do this more regularly. So they've, you know, every year they, uh, they go to this particular master class, um, to taste all these older, older whiskey, uh, bourbons and rice. And, um, so some people liked it. I think the, for me, it was a great look at the history, kind of like yeah. what it tasted like, maybe getting a hint of what people drank back there. Yeah. Um, in all honesty, on the nose, and all three of them, I was like, my instinct was, don't drink this. This is probably going to kill you. This is poison. There's nothing right. healthy inside here. Um, but I think the, it was also the kind of oak that they used. So they weren't necessarily white oak. Um, they were saying that the, definitely um, the, uh, the old charter wasn't aged in, was probably not aged in, in that. So it had some sort of other you know, oak. So it was less familiar flavors, a little less what you're used to. Um, and I think there's definitely kind of a, an acquired taste and an appeal to it from that point of view. But yeah, it was, um, my, my, I, I was like, no, don't drink this. This is not good for you. Wow. <laughs> All your the, instincts uh, were like, <laughs> no, no, don't do it. Well, and I mean, to be like, I didn't sign up for that masterclass and you actually texted the group to say, if you want to try any of these things, there's loads left here. Yeah. So come on, come on by and, and give it a go. These are all in like sealed off classrooms. And so at the end I actually just snuck in, tried the five whiskeys, the three dusties and the two more recent ones. And, uh, yeah, we left, we left stuff on the table as well. Oh, so they, you guys yeah, finished that. Amazing. Finished all. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's a Weller. Like your spidey sense is just going off the charts, right? And it's like this, I'm going to regret. <laughs> <laughs> might be soon. It might be a long time. Right. I don't know. But like I was in an agriculture. <clears throat> like a Martinique rum workshop and we were talking about how Ontario doesn't get virtually any agricole because there's so much ethyl carbon made in it, which yeah. we have mm-hmm. stringent standards for because it's notionally, not notionally, it is actually carcinogenic. Uh, and so we leave that workshop where we're like, yeah, there's a little bit more ethyl carbon model than the LCBO would like, so you don't see a whole lot of it here. And then I walk into your tasting and you're just like, yeah, this is glue whiskey. <laughs> it's glue whiskey. <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> It's like, wow, like prohibition was a horrible thing. Man, all this stuff tastes tainted with like something that's not quite legit. So <laughs> what a great lesson. Well, the, everything was done differently. Every The way the whiskey was made, everything was different. Um, Angus um, described one of the worst things he, he drank. And somebody was like, what's, you know, what's the most spoiled thing you drank? And he, he told us about some story about a, a whiskey they found on a boat, you know, off a ship. And it was, and he goes, it literally tasted his words like, you took a dead squirrel, put it in a blender, blend the squirrel into liquid format, and that's what you were drinking. Wow. Yeah, it was so, so some of these dusties, and you know, he's uh, very much, kind of very much, he talks about topics. We talk a lot about this as far as oxidation, things, kind of the alcohol evaporating, how that affects the flavor, the flavors that come out. Um, and so with the dusties, um, his biggest thing is like evaporation. If it's, you know, because mm-hmm. he finds dusties are, you know, half the bottle's been evaporated. Mm-hmm. Wow. At that point, you know, you're, you're, most of the whiskey's gone. Now you're yeah. drinking the leftover stuff and whatever yeah. that is, which is really great with, you know, a lot of alcohol. Um, uh, doesn't do so well. Uh, the other comment he made was uh, higher proof whiskeys uh, seem to do better uh, because at a higher proof level, it kind of acts as a way of keeping all the flavors in, uh, suspended. As, but then as the alcohol content goes down, now you've got more, you know, more oxidation happening in that, in that bottle and more flavors breaking down. Well, shelf stability, right? It's yeah. like more sugar, more salt, more exactly. alcohol. Yeah. It's so as we, you know, we always know that higher proof whiskeys are just better in general. So know, across like, the board, <laughs> like lucky us. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was speaking of higher proof whiskeys. I think the star of the show for me was actually uh, um, like something that we'll never actually be able to buy. Lot forty cast strength. Cast strength. Yeah. That was super. It definitely fun. had a like not for drinking for test purposes only sticker on the bottle. Yep. Yeah. It's already on the internet. I checked, so we're going to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> I posted it. I said uh, to. I so said, Jamie put it on the internet. Right? Right. I did. So yes. we're going to talk about yeah, it. Absolutely. I did. Uh, I didn't know if I was allowed, but I did it anyways. I know. Well, I, I wouldn't admit to that. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I would edit your post and say repost and then like whiskey underscore chef. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. But yeah, but I thought that was really nice. Was I don't really understand good. why Canadians don't make overproof whiskey. It would be really great because it mm-hmm. frankly tastes like Canadian whiskey, but it's it's not hot. It's just got more alcohol content to it, and it was like it was really nice. I would buy that. I, I really would buy enjoy that. It. For we sure. should start a campaign. I think we should start the unofficial Lot Forty Cast Strength campaign and, and get it going because it, it was really a free. It was just it was really great really product. Good, uh, yeah. And I, you, everybody that has a taste of this has been saying very positive, uh, positive feedback for it. So yeah, that was really nice, and it was one of my favorite things at the at the show. For sure. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys get to see Matt Jones afterwards and get a taste of the old granddad bonded? No, no, no. He was just sort of like over in the corner, just pouring the it was just like i was on my way out we were all dusty or new i think it was new oh okay we had a bottle of that like three weeks ago oh <laughs> we were drinking that all through sorry we had shut three bottles up of that three both of ago. you i'm furious because we wanted to compare it with the old dusty that we had all right all right all right fine i get it i get it i get it so you're right it's really good though it's nice. <laughs> you're the worst you walk right into that one <laughs> Damn it, you guys. Uh, but, okay, so so that's a nice pour. Uh, for me, exciting thing as well, the 25-year-old Ben Nevis, which I did not mm. enjoy when I first had, but I took it into an old Pulteney tasting, ah. which was, and I'm not familiar with the old Pulteney thing. I understand now that Jim Murray thinks it's great, which could mean a variety of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after going through that <laughs> tasting and then going back to the Ben Nevis, I was just like, oh, man, this Ben Nevis is really great. Like, what a lovely whiskey. I had zero time for any of the old Pulteney, so. Yeah, well, you were not Pulteney's interested. all like American Oak Age, I assume. It wasn't. Uh, it was the lighter style, and then you had the Ben Nevis, which is uh, mm-hmm. sherry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The colors speak volume. There's no peat in the old Pulteney, which is fine. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it was really. It was like a single malt uh, that was trying desperately to be a, a an unremarkable blend, and I think have largely succeeded. Like, it's shockingly expensive. Like they definitely have an audience of elderly white men who are like flustered by change and don't understand why everything's touchscreen now. But, and that was like both like who I, when I close my eyes and taste this whiskey picture and also the constituency of the people in the masterclass with me and, and Jen, and we just sort of rolled our eyes at each other. The only thing that was interesting in that room was they pulled out a bottle of new make as well, yeah. which was fabulous was and great. super yeah. great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which we snuck out for you guys. Yes, yeah. Thank no, I you. That. that was you really guys are awesome. Yeah. Um, I feel bad because I, I think I recommend the old Pulteney. I'm like, oh, this is great. You guys will taste stuff that very few people get to taste. They had like the 25 and the 30 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, 30, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and then that's, that's factually correct. Mm-hmm. But like, it's weird, right? It's like there are facts that don't necessarily make a whiskey good. And so the one fact I liked out of this one was uh, the fifth whiskey that we had was a 30-year-old old Pulteney. Uh, it's a very old whiskey. And they said this is the last bottle of it, period. But just because it's the last bottle of something doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Correct. And so, like, the, the dollar value before, I suppose, this last bottle, if it is in case the last bottle, um, it was, like, extraordinarily expensive. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like 3,500 pounds or something. Right. Uh, and it was like, yeah, that's okay. It's, like, it's sort of taking no risks. Very simple whiskey. It was. Uh, it's complex and a very, like, narrow band. Yeah. Cool. Next. Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny that, that uh, Spirit Toronto does bring out these kind of really rare tastings. I had that... Glenlivet 75-year-old whiskey uh, four mm. or five years ago. People are still talking about that whiskey. Well, wow. how is that? I mean, you hate Glenlivet more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> burning suns. Right. <laughs> was it Founders Reserve, but, like, really old? No, you know what? It was, it was very funny. Um, it... Um, I think with the old whiskeys especially, it's really important to know them when they get first poured. Uh, so that was a good example of it was a 45-minute class to an hour. By the time we got to it, uh, that was a mystery pour. We didn't know what it was. Right. Uh, but I was, fortunately enough, I just had nosed everything. And the mm. nose on it was really friggin' great. It was, it was more like the, the, the kind of smelling an old wine barrel, kind of that kind of musty, sweet, sherry kind of notes to it um, that were really wonderful. Um, it was a little more, a little less remarkable on the palate by the time we got to it, and I kind of regret not tasting it right off the bat. Um, but the, and this is, this is one of like my rules. I'm like, I just drink at my own pace at this point. If I right. sit down at the tasting, I'm just going to drink what I want when I want it. Cause I feel like by the time I tasted it, it just, it seemed like a younger whiskey. So it was, I would call it a youthful, uh, whiskey in terms hmm. of how you would experience, you know, kind of good range of flavors on a very kind of as well, narrow, narrow band. 
Uh, definitely not over-oaked and anything like that. It's neat because you see that with wine. I've never heard of that with whiskey before, but mm-hmm. like, there are some wines that are aged that you open up and you're like, we've got to drink this right now. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I feel that the same thing happens with whiskey. And sometimes you open it up and it's it just got to give it time. And I think those old dusties uh, were definitely an mm-hmm. example of like, you open it up, you pour it, take a nose, but give it, give it 10 minutes, give it 20 minutes, let it, let it kind of work its way through. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The, that we also um, were able to try some of that uh, Devil's Cask from uh, Bowmore. Yeah. And the Lefroig Three Triple Wood, Triple Wood. Yeah. 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 Uh, which were, again, the thing about, you know, spirit is there's always sort of something under the table. Uh, and we were sort of lucky enough to, to get a little taste of those. And that Devil's Cask was awesome. I liked yeah. it a lot. Yeah. I really liked that Bomar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a good example of, uh, of I, I don't know what the price point on that one is, but uh, it's a good example. It was of a highlight nice, for nice me. Bomar, yeah. yeah. So this is where the whiskey event is different for you two than it is from most attendees because yeah. like I know a couple reps just through you um, but I don't know most and so when I go to a table I'm no one and I can say like hey do you have anything behind the table and they'll look at me and they'll be like no no yeah uh, so yeah so uh, stick with so us kid we got you yeah I know <laughs> it's interesting uh, it's interesting but I mean it's like neat to, uh, to sort of like think about like how the event is attended by most people like in a way mm-hmm. I think I not to be make this show about me but I suppose I am the guest so <laughs> <laughs> um, like I fall through the cracks here because uh, I think for most attendees it is a like wonderful experience because you can sample all of these bottles that you can maybe get uh, and uh, and you'll figure out what you like and then hopefully you'll go out and you'll buy that one uh, and for you guys you get to try some really unusual stuff and the master classes are amazing mm-hmm. and like that's what I benefited from and that's my take from the show mm-hmm. um, but I've generally had most of the general whiskeys that have been there I spent my mm-hmm. entire night drinking uh, non-whiskey products primarily because we have this group that gets great whiskey together and, uh, and so we try all this stuff. And so for me, the whiskey portion of the event is really more like an automotive show where you're just being marketed mm. at. But if you really want to, you can test drive that car. Yeah. It's like I could go and have some Evan Williams bottle and bond, but oh, I think I'm good. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. Like I can, I've got to probably still have some of a bottle left somewhere. And, um, even if I do, I'm going to mix that with something. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, whereas you guys, like there are some special bottles that do come out, which are really neat. The master classes are amazing, though. Like, yeah. so great. Yeah, and they, they different shows have different levels of master classes, but, uh, you know, the, the good ones will have really, really great pours. Um, and it, to me, it always comes down to the organizers. If the organizers push special pours, they're like, you want a master class? That's great. We'll let, we'll let you talk about, you know, Aberlauer for, for 45 minutes to an audience that wants to pay for that. Uh, but you better bring something really, really great because that makes the show look really good. Yeah. Uh, and I find the good shows have that relationship with the, uh, with the, uh, with the people. There. Uh, and I, but I also, I kind of, I sort of disagree. I think you can, if you approach, uh, if you approach um, a table with whiskey and you demonstrate that you're like a fan of the whiskey, you know something about it, you will probably get a pour. Um, and I think early mm-hmm. on and you know, before I wrote a book, before I really was, was serious about writing, um, you know, uh, Compass Box was, was at the show many years ago. Um, and I really liked their product. It was the first time I tasted it. I just like, okay, let me t- take me through their line. And it was uh, John Glazier that was actually at the booth, the, the, the master uh, blender there. And he's like, okay, here's, you know, here's something else. And he poured me like something, you know, from like 2005 that they made early on. Um, but I did invest the time. I was honestly enthusiastic. I didn't pull out a business card or anything. Um, so, you know, I think you can still do it, but I think you gotta, you know, you gotta, they know who the fans are and they know who just kind of comes up there and just wants, you know, an 18 year old, this or 25 year old Aberlar or whatever. But I agree with you too. Uh, a lot of the stuff we drink is we, the whiskey show has the stuff that we generally have already tasted. Um, and it's, but they did have things like the mezcals and the rums that we weren't as, as yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. So I spent yeah. almost my entire evening pursuing that, nice. which was great. Spent it almost exclusively with Jen Chan, who has been a guest on the show mm-hmm. before. We have uh, whiskey palettes that were separated at birth. So <laughs> like, you gotta find, like, you gotta find that person. Yeah, like we should start a whiskey podcast. Yeah, it's <laughs> like the two of us agreeing the entire time. Like yeah. this is bad. Like, this is this good. Is bad. This we is call really it bad. kindred spirits. 
<laughs> You've already thought about it. You have a name for it and everything. Amazing. It's very clever. Always thinking. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Which is great. It's, it is so fun as the evening escalates, though, like at the very end, like going up to an Armagnac station. And like in Ontario, we get like a sort of baseline Armagnac. It's sort of like getting bourbon maybe 15 years ago or 20 years ago, right. where it's like, if you don't like Jim Beam White Label and you don't happen to like Makers, then you don't like bourbon. Right. Because that's all we got. That's all we got. Uh, and so the Armagnac market is sort of where that was for obvious reasons. Uh, and so it's neat to go and, and actually go through a vertical and be like, here's a 30-year-old Armagnac. Like, here's an Armagnac that's XO, and we think it's really interesting and great. Now, of course, by the time that Jen and I got there, I don't think we were tasting at that point. I think we were mm-hmm. just going back and forth between handfuls of ham and oh boy, and brandy products. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it exists, and I tried it, and I have bottle shots of it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Lots of pictures of bottles on my phone after that <laughs> yeah. day. With no meaningful context. Nothing. Other than, like, that's, that's something that I, I put into my body. I did drink that. Yes. <laughs> yes. How about you, Jamie? How was your experience like? Oh, it was great. I had a blast. Um, a, uh, I, it's a pricey event. Um, I think it's, it's well executed. You know, there's lots of food. Um, I think that like the way it's done and I think they make a point of making sure that there are special bottles around that if you're going to pay that much, uh, to get into the show, Hmm. it's going to be worth your while. Um, and especially for, if you're a new whiskey drinker, I think it's so worth, especially this one in particular, because you're not just going to get the lineup of Glenfiddich, like, you know, like. Uh, 12, 15, 18, like they have the 21 there. It's like, it's like every whiskey show sort of like, you know, um, sort of gives not bare minimum, but they kind of like, they all bring the same stuff year after year. This one is just like kicked up a little bit. Like they always go one step further in their line than they would for another whiskey show. So um, I definitely think that it's such a great way to try the 21 Glenfiddich um, if you've never had it before, and it's a good opportunity to go and try some of the more expensive bottles um, if you haven't had them, and if, you, if you're relatively new to the game. Like, yeah. I think I had the 21 for the first time uh, at Matt Mark's house a little while ago, but again, like, you forget, or mm-hmm. like, you're just like, you know, so to be able to go and try all these different whiskeys, and that's one thing that I always think is so important with whiskey is to try it ahead of time, and I, I think that's probably where a lot of um, companies should put like so much of their marketing dollars because buying a bottle of whiskey isn't like buying a wine unless you're like a super wine collector. But a lot of people want to have an expensive bottle of whiskey in their collection and they're not just going to go spend $150 without yeah. trying it first. So there should be more tasting bars. There should be more tasting opportunities for people who are trying to get into it. And this one just sort of like checks off all those boxes. Yeah. I had a great time. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I, if, I don't know if this is still true, but when, when I was uh, back in 2013, the stat was the average whiskey drinker has about six bottles of whiskey in their cabinet. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's still true, then, yeah, being able to show up at a show where there's 20, 30 different distilleries representing mm-hmm. their brands and each one pouring three to five different whiskeys. Yeah, and the good uh, stuff. What a great to go. Yeah. yeah, it's worth See, it. See, I walk away from the show, which I enjoy, uh, thinking that we've just found an entirely better lane. And I think it's open to anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have a community of friends that also share interests and either get the little tincture bottles and share whatever bottles they get in uh, or sit down and have group whiskey tastings where there are like six or four or eight people or whomever and everyone shows up with uh, the latest thing they have in their cabinet. Mm-hmm. And that is a way more fruitful expedition in learning what you like and how to taste whiskey and mm-hmm. what you find relevant or important about uh, new products that are on the market than this. Like I walk away from this we said with a bunch of bottle shots and mm-hmm. and sort of abstract impressions but like nothing concrete i don't think i learned a lot about my palate mm-hmm. or the types of whiskey that i like uh i just run around and <laughs> drink all the whiskey which yeah. is super fun uh and so so from like the opportunity to actually taste something and try and carve out what your uh like what your cabinet should look like or or sort of missing pieces that you may want to include I don't think it's a a great way to do that unless you are the only person you know that likes to drink whiskey or if there are just two of you that like to drink whiskey. Because it is, I mean, it's a pricey ticket. And Mm -hmm. if there are eight friends um, 
then then you've got $1,600 and go to the liquor store and buy a bunch of bottles and mm-hmm. try them out and see what you think. And Not like, like that's, that way. <laughs> that's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. like the thing is, it's like we're very privileged in the sense that we have a group of maybe eight folks who are really into this stuff. So, um, so we've already got that ready made, but it was really funny. We've got a text group going at this event and it was essentially like a text echo chamber. It was like, this is good. This is good. (laughs) It's like, this is, this is here. Run. Are you coming? Coming. It was really hilarious reading those text messages. Like honestly, the day after I was laughing, they were so funny. It was great. It was a great night. I enjoyed it so yeah, much. Great night. Yeah. Great night. Yeah. But from that one aspect, like even like I've watched the the I'm a lurker on Reddit and watching the Reddit bourbon community sort of evolve over the last few years where everyone is sharing again tincture bottles of like one ounce samples of stuff from other Reddit users. It's mm-hmm. like like it's incredible. You have access mm-hmm. if you want to participate in that to mm-hmm. a whiskey cabinet beyond your imagination and beyond uh, beyond the spirit Toronto show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell us a little bit about it because you you are like as far as Reddit and the whiskey 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 community. Tell us a little bit more about those because you're you're mm-hmm. you're a appropriate lurker there. You you go there often. Yeah, well, I mean, we're so limited in what we can get here, right, yeah. in Canada, and so there's a forum on whiskey 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 that I lurk hard on, uh, and it's, it's I think from Tales of the Maple Leaf Lounge or just Maple Leaf Lounge something like that, uh, and it's it's people who wake up every day. Or this is what it feels like: wake up every day, go to LCBO or lcboconnect.com and then like type in bourbon and then see what's new or where stock's been allocated, that sort of thing. Wow. Um, and then talk about, uh, so uh, we've got a new Avalar, uh Abinad in, and it's a different version than the one that was previously here. The one that was previously here was great, and this one people are less hot on. And so, so when you're dealing with a really selected um, number of whiskeys that come in, and some of them are in really small batches, it's it's helpful to have this brain trust of non-lurkers who actively participate and sort of figure out where things are or what to be excited about or when, when a lottery is going to happen, that sort of thing. And then the Reddit community is just hilarious. Like the reviews out there are, are really like, they make me laugh. They're pretty great. (laughs) You know, I just, I've never read a whiskey review in a broadsheet journal that says this whiskey is missionary sex with the lights on. Uh. <laughs> and I think that's a great way of describing Barter House 20 year old whiskey. <laughs> so I don't know who your username is. And I so hopefully we'll credit this in the, in the that would notes. Be awesome. but I love it. And it's like that put a smile on my face. So great work. That's awesome. Barter House 20. Yeah, I love it. but it was a great show. It was really nice. I like that venue. It was, yeah, the venue was great. Like, it just, it felt a little crowded, but maybe it was just me. I don't know. It felt a little crowded. Yeah. I could have used a little trouble more. with all events in Toronto. Oh, but like you said, though, if you felt a little overwhelmed, you could just go to the women's washroom and there'd be no one in there. No one. <laughs> no one. There's a lot of, of sideways looking people, like, standing outside of the men's washroom. It looked like yeah. they had been imbibing let's see you gotta you gotta you know go in with sort of a, a plan to um you know tease out the night uh don't go so hard maybe at the beginning it gets because the opportunity is there for you to really get completely kablamoed and if you want to make the best of your night it's like probably not great to start off you know the funniest shots. thing about the event is those who do the master class get to gain entry at like 5.30 as opposed to 6.30 right. or 7. Yeah. And so you do your first class and then you come out and you're in the large area where all of the booths are. And then you see the doors crack and there's this wave of the great yeah. unwashed is just like got crazy in their eye because they've yeah. been in a lineup for 45 minutes yes. and they're just ready to get their drink on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's like a hilarious wave of human beings coming at you. I love it. Like and you're great. like, get, get all the 18 and 25 real whiskey now, now, now. Yeah. It's going to be gone in half an hour. Like yeah. I'd sat down in a, like a, essentially a classroom setting with Wayne Curtis learning about Martinique rum in like a very con- like constructive way. And then, yeah, the doors crack and it's like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Drink it all now. Um, I love uh, the person in the community, uh, Rick uh, Culver, uh, RM Culver on uh, Twitter. He um, he arrived with um, he has this like unreleased uh, larger Glencairn glass. It's basically like a, I don't know if you guys oh, saw oh, it. Oh, I saw it. The, the yeah. Larger kind. Of, it's like a Glencairn glass. If you took it and photoshopped it, just stretched it out. Yes. 
Um, Pro and, tip, kids. Yeah. Well, the best part is he's walking around the show the whole time and going, people, yeah, they showing them this glass. He's like, what's, what's this glass? He's like, oh, this is the VIP glass. This is like double the pour. <laughs> <laughs> so, pro tip, bring your own glassware, which I think is great, and then be, what, this is the VIP, double the pour. Even better than that is so he's got this VIP glass, and then he has his actual Glencairn in, like, a custom-made Glencairn koozie around yeah, his right, neck. right, around his neck. Yeah. That's right. And then he had a third Glencairn glass. He literally had three, Glen- he had three glasses on him all the time. Um, and that was smart, too, because then he had the Glencairn on his neck, and he's like, oh, this is, like, 30-year-old this, or this is 25-year-old that, and he's... You know, put the special yeah. pores in there so that he could share them right. with people. Then he had the glass in his hand on the right side, which I think was probably his normal drinker. And then he had the VIP drinker. Wow. Maybe that, that remedies my complaint. So maybe I just, I'm not doing it wrong. I need to follow Rick and, <laughs> yeah. and have three to, glasses you on You need to get somehow. a koozie for your neck. Oh, yeah. I'm I think we all need Amazon one of them. This yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that was that was pretty fun. I watching watching him work the the room with three glasses was great. Amazing. He's also got a couple years on us too, right? So it's, this is not yeah. his first rodeo. No. No. Yeah, no. he's got it down to a fine science. Got to learn from his experience, man. I'm, that's it. I'm that's bringing right. my own glassware. Yeah. He remembers when this was just Seagrams and Cuddy Sark. That was the only two <laughs> bo- only two booths of the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we love Rick. We no, love Rick. Awesome, awesome. That's awesome. No, I loved the again, like the, the Marcinique rum agricole thing was really great. I mean, just it was super fact based. Mm-hmm. Like the material fact content was unusually high, so there was no marketing. It's a bunch of stuff that we can't get here, which is really exciting. Uh, and a lot of it was like just unintentional jokes on the French. Like they weren't actually articulated. They were like, look, like the French have two different types of rum in their in their their system of classification. So there's agricole rum, rum agricole, which is agriculturally produced rum, and then there's industrial rum. And that's what the English and Spanish make. And you're just like, well of course it is. Like, this is so pastoral and lovely and limiting harvests off the field and how you can do it in wild fermentation, that sort of thing. Amazing. So I thought that was wonderful. And uh, and then just again like this whole concept of like Having an AOC, like an Appellation d'Origine Contrôlée, that, that relates to rum is hilarious to me. I mean, the French are people who have an AOC for lentils. So you can imagine how, like, just fastidious they are when it comes to, like, rum production and dropping an AOC on that. So, so that was, it was really fun. And the stuff, I personally don't care for rum. Like, there was an Apples in 12 to essentially be a baseline to mm-hmm. compare all of our other samples with. And, uh, and I just can't get into that stuff. Uh, but, uh, but these agricoles I find are uh, really interesting and mimic whiskey more than they do rum. Mm. Which did I they kind of tell you what level they get distilled to before they get barreled? Uh, yeah, they did. Actually, I think the they, one uh, I sixty-five was, or seventy okay. percent. Okay, yeah, I was going to say that was the one thing I I thought was very cool is they're they're made more, um, you know, you're going to get more of that flavor through because uh, I think that when I asked one of them it was like, yeah, about sixty percent. Um, so definitely, you know, it's not neutral grain at this point or neutral grape. Yeah, but it's, definitely. It's, it's, uh, well, and yeah. then the other thing is is there are no additives. At all, right? So I think the global classification allocates for 2.5% other stuff. Mm-hmm. So like Canadian whiskey allows for eight. Yeah. Uh, Canadian yeah. whiskey, or sorry, the Canadian rum rules don't limit it. It's like it needs to be from mm. like sugarcane roughly, but like can be from molasses <laughs> or any byproduct and then also can have whatever else you want in it. So uh-huh. go nuts and that's rum. Uh, whereas so the French stuff, it just like there are no additives. It's one of the issues with ethyl carbamate right. they have is that there's um, uh, there is a process that you can implement to prevent it from forming, mm-hmm. uh, and and because there are no additives allowed, uh, they can't implement that process, and so uh-huh. it comes in a little bit higher than it, than it should. Yeah, and I mean I, l- I looked that up. I mean the your odds of like the the your it's not such a big cancer risk uh, but the whole idea is that it depends on how much consumption you do and everything else and you know i don't know i'm not a doctor um jamie <laughs> vin juleps can you tell us a little about vin juleps yeah do that oh um, i i actually have been experimenting with them for like the last month um and i got to make them a lot of them at Spirit of Toronto there was it cuz it was derby day mm-hmm. uh so we actually batched together 
Um, I think about 75 mint juleps, um, probably more than that. Um, super easy drink to make and perfect for the summer. Um, so um, your favorite bourbon, uh, preferably something higher proof because uh, you're going to put a lot of ice in it and you definitely want to uh, make sure it doesn't get too um, uh, diluted. Mm -hmm. uh, sugar and uh, mint. And you uh, start in the bottom of the cup and just like muddle the mint a little bit with a sugar or simple syrup. Don't muddle it too much because the mint can go bitter really easily. Uh, and then I just do like a, a little bit of like bourbon and uh, like half of your, so like an ounce of bourbon, put some ice in there, stir it around a little bit. Um, and then I would put in um, some more ice and then pour the bourbon on top of that and then just enjoy and oh, nice. sip it. But that's why you want to go with something that's higher improved. Like you want to go with a big mouthful bourbon. You yeah. don't want to go with a, a skinny little 80% because it's, or sorry, 80 proof because um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to dilute. But I did one that was like blackberries and mint. And then I did one that was like a sweet tea um, and mint julep, which was also super fun. Um, so there's like, and some people, um, get really fussy and they're like, that's not a mint julep. Like that's an abomination. <laughs> Come on, let's just have a little fun here. Like, yeah, no, right. it isn't a classic mint julep, but we can have a little bit of, we can put some blackberries in this. No one's going to lose their minds. Like, come on. So no, it's, it was, it's, it's been fun and you can just sort of like, I guess the only thing that I would say is that make sure you have, um, a hammer for your ice because I've been whacking mine on the floor and sure my downstairs neighbors are not so thrilled uh with every day at 4 p.m me like <laughs> smacking a bag of ice on the ground that's how they know it's cocktail hour. <laughs> <laughs> how else would they know <laughs> that's right um but yeah no Just i've been my business yeah. <laughs> i should bring them one and just be like sorry guys um and you definitely want to get the, those really nice silver cups and they just frost really nicely and they're really really pretty um, so yeah, no, I just, I've been kind of obsessed with mint julep the last month. Um, I feel like I've sort of conquered it. Nice. So now I got to figure out, you know, what cocktail I want to conquer next. It's got to be something summery on ice. Like, you know, I, I got to think if you have any suggestions, feel free to tweet me at bourbon thing and let me know what your summer bourbon cocktail of choice is. Yeah. What is, what are summer whiskey cocktails? I'm trying to think of. Well, I think a lot um, of them would be like a, like a highball, yeah, whiskey sour, just a simple highball. You're making a face, Mark. Well, I'm just, that's for me the easiest, right? Or, or just some ice and whiskey. I mean, mint juleps are really I think mint juleps good. is probably mint juleps my are favorite. so great. Yeah, They're yeah. so good. Yeah. Well, I like, so I like, yeah. at the event, naturally, they chose a whiskey that was a little higher in proof. What did they end up using? They didn't, actually. It was Basil Hayden. Oh yeah, we use basil bourbon. Hayden. We use our breakfast bourbon. We use basil Hayden. Um, it actually like it, it. It sort of stood up well. Um, I mean, I I couldn't say because I didn't get to try it until like officially. I didn't get to try it until after everyone had been served, and then I got to try mine. Um, but it was it was good. Like we, you know, we. Matt Jones always gets the right like ratios of yeah, you know yeah, so he knew he was working with a lighter bourbon and yeah and so he you know he structured it really well he infused um, the basil Hayden with the mint for a long time oh, so nice. um, yeah so it uh, it just really sort of stood up quite well um, but I wouldn't uh, I drank it pretty quickly I'll be honest yeah yeah don't shoot it though wait are you allowed are you allowed to talk about that. <laughs> No, we could do it. Of course. Yeah, because Chuck Cowdery was... Chuck Cowdery uh, said you're supposed to do it as like a shot. Yeah. Was, I Chuck disagree. Chuck was on the episode a couple of weeks ago, and I um, I saw his latest um, blog post was like, man, juleps, just shoot them. Don't, don't. I, I tend to disagree but with don't, that. But don't, you know. But he, know. he's from Kentucky, and there's, you know, these kind of drinks uh, get drunk differently at different places, right? You're right. Exactly. And so, yeah, maybe, you know, I just, I, but I disagree with that. But that's okay. That's fine. He probably knows better than I do. But I'm, I'm all about a slow sip with and a nice consume drive. responsibly, obviously. Obviously, don't do shots yeah. <laughs> ever, as we do shots at the start of the podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Whoopsies. Oh man. Oh, that's fun. Um, but yeah, I'll make you guys mint juleps next time we. Not now. No. <laughs> Not now. You have mint. 
No, I don't have mint. There you go. Wow. I'll bring Scented. some. I have a fridge full of it because I've been obsessed with them. So nice. Yeah. Awesome. We'll we'll have them soon. Nice. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have been following along on Mark's Snapchat, but his dog hurt his foot. Yeah. Poor little guy. We don't know how he did it. We I think I assumed he started gnawing at his own foot after cutting himself. But we we have no idea. There's no blood in the house, so he may have done it outside. We don't know. He's just laying next to me and he's twitching a little bit, sleeping. sleeping. Yeah, he's asleep. Fast asleep. He's so cute. I just want to put my head right in his neck, but I won't. <laughs> yeah. He's so cute. Anyway, sorry. Right. <laughs> a little side note there. Little dog story. So yeah. Glenford. Well, I, mean, I guess the side note is like follow Mark on Snapchat. There you go. <laughs> See, thank you. That's right. Uh, for you. all the latest dog posts, uh, do follow me on Snapchat. <laughs> uh, a little bit of whiskey, a lot of dog uh, dog videos. Uh, Glenford Jameson, uh, your podcast is continuing on super super well. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Glenn recently did a talk at uh, the Tarwar. Uh, in Toronto here, it's a big, big Canada-wide ev- uh, event, big, uh, huge, very yeah. big deal, uh, for not just chefs from Canada, but we had a lot of chefs from the United States, uh, yeah. David Chang was there, I'm going to name drop some people, I don't know who else, but... Uh, we'll just leave it at like, like thought leaders in the culinary community yeah. from around the world were there, which yeah. is really, really fascinating to, to be part of, and I was like, honored to, uh, to appear, which is super fun, the podcast is still rolling forward. I'm uh, sort of figured out a rhythm on my end uh, where we do lawyer and then non-lawyer and then lawyer and then non-lawyer. Mm. And so uh, we're dropping one in a couple of days and it's actually, I recorded it with my sister who is the executive director of Food First Newfoundland and oh. runs uh, a bunch of programs with the Inuit and the coastal uh, communities of Labrador uh, and the Northern Atlantic, which is really cool. And my uncle who is the executive director of the Naples Botanical Gardens in Florida mm-hmm. and the outreach that they do with schools uh, and with the culinary community down there, which I think both are super cool. So it's this idea of like the fundamental act of gardening as being uh, something that informs uh, your view on food and the politics around it and then policy-based decisions that you make, which is really cool. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we'll have your, uh, you're not on Snapchat. Well, you're kind of on Snapchat, but you're not. Lurker. Active. Lurker. Yeah, lurker. I'm mostly lurker. I'm mostly um, lurker. I mostly too. have, actually, I think between Whiskey, Thor, and then I have Jamie's Outrage have on, on my Snapchat yeah. account mostly. Sometimes I make an appearance. Yeah. Oh yelling. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which is like, I, you, Glenford caught the, the whole diatribe the other day where I was like, now it's one more social media avenue to be caught drunk on, like <laughs> ranting. <laughs> You know, waking up the next day being like, oh, God, what did anyone, what would have, what, everyone, we need to go through all the posts. We got to go through all the posts. What did everyone say? What did, everyone, what did I say? What did I do? I <laughs> have to go look at, like, some of my, like, my safari, like, um, queries, like, Google the next day. I'm like, what kind of argument was I trying to win here? <laughs> that, should, that should be its own Twitter Because there's, like, at Riker Googling. And right, like right. Star Trek, TNG, Riker, Googling things. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Once I opened it up and it said "snake with birthday hat," and I was like, "Oh, Aw. it's his birthday." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh," and then I was like, "Wow, there's lots of pictures of snakes with birthday hats on the internet. <laughs> They're all over the Amazing. place. Who knew? Tiny little birthday hats. <laughs> it's cute. Somebody makes those. It's sweet. Yeah, I like the the turtles who." Our pets and presumably are also having birthdays that have balloons on them, so we can have a party for it and no one will step on it. (laughs) (laughs) Careful, turtle. (laughs) The internet is great sometimes. Sometimes it's great. I mean, the next when you you know when you look at the internet the next day and you know there's pictures of you you know falling over or like you know something like that maybe not so great. But you know for the most part when you can find pictures of turtles with balloons and snakes and birthday hats it's pretty much evens itself out (laughs) (laughs) not even Uh, awesome guys thank you so much thank you Glenford thanks Glenn Um, thanks for having me absolutely we'll be back next week cheers cheers